Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to look at the inner politics of Roosevelt's administration when wrestling with the question in the summer of 1941 uh, about uh, endorsing Stalin uh, following the Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union and how uh, Roosevelt, Churchill um, together uh, found themselves uh, coming to the unlikely accommodation of an alliance with the Soviet Union. The first half of 1941 um, had been a, a period of uh, frenetic diplomatic activity across the Atlantic as uh, Roosevelt became more and more convinced that uh, America would have to intervene in, in Europe. And as we uh, previously heard on the podcast some time ago, uh, Roosevelt's uh, General Stark um, informed him that uh, not only was this going to have to happen, but uh, no doubt a war on two fronts would eventually have to be fought, one in Europe and one in Asia. And that prioritising Europe at the expense of Asia was the only sensible option. Japan could be defeated eventually, but there should be no time wasted in the defeat of Nazi Germany. As George Marshall put it, collapse in the Atlantic would be fatal, collapse in the Far East would be serious, but not fatal. Britain and America at this point, the relationship between them is of Britain being the combatant power uh, and America being the supplier of uh, arms, uh, finance, and raw materials. And this arrangement uh, that became the, the Lend-Lease Agreement, um, which Roosevelt took uh, at least two years to kind of throw off the, the, kind of the shackles of uh, the Neutrality Acts, um, would eventually be extended to the Soviet Union. So, David Kennedy, in his uh, account of America 1929-45, Freedom from Fear, writes, uh, Military and economic officials struggled through the spring of 1941 to make headway uh, with the uh, guidelines for um, planning for war. Then, as the summer officially began, Adolf Hitler introduced a new variable that threatened to scramble all of the planners' already uh, labial equations. 
On the 22nd uh, of June 1941, he launched Operation Barbarossa, an attack on his supposed ally, the Soviet Union, with 153 divisions numbering some 3.6 million troops and thousands of aircraft and tanks. Barbarossa was Hitler's boldest military venture to date, and indeed one of the most gigantic military operations in history. As the awesome wave of Wehrmacht men and machines rumbled eastward towards Moscow, opinion divided sharply in the United States about the implications of this new phase of the war. In many ways, the debate over America's relationship to the now belligerent Soviet Union was a reprise of the long-running controversy over aid to Britain, though further complicated by deep ideological estrangement. Would the Soviets be able to survive the German onslaught, or would they crumple like all of Hitler's previous victims, save only England? If the Russians somehow managed to stay in the field, how could the United States lend them material support? Indeed, given the communist character of the Soviet state, should the United States make common cause with the Russians? If we see Germany is winning, we ought to help Russia. And if Russia is winning, we ought to help Germany. And that way, let them kill as many as possible, said Missouri Senator Harry S. Truman. Expressing in his own unvarnished show-me Missouri idiom the feelings of many of his countrymen. Although, Truman added, I don't want to see Hitler victorious under any circumstances. Now, if you ever get the chance to read it, um, Tim Zuliardis wrote an astounding history of Americans in the Soviet Union during the 1930s, including some of those who were lost in the, the Gulag system. And there was a, on many levels in, in Moscow and Leningrad uh, during the 1930s, uh, a rich and varied um, set of relations between the Soviet regime and the American government and American private individuals, um, ranging from uh, industrialists through to artists and bohemians and diplomats. Uh, Joseph Davis, who was uh, a wealthy American socialite, um, was uh, lit literally fawning over Stalin uh, during the 1930s and made his own propaganda film, Mission to Moscow, uh, during the, the, the Second World War. There were, um, as we've talked many times in this podcast, various uh, European, but particularly American, uh, fellow travellers. These were people who weren't communists, but who were uh, perhaps on the, the liberal left end of the political spectrum, who went and marvelled over Stalin's five-year plans and thought that this is not the kind of thing that you would want for the Western world, but certainly uh, it, it had managed to, to galvanise Russia and get Russia going. There were um, connections between the Ford Motor Company and uh, the Soviet uh, motor industry that was developing during the, the five-year plans. Um, Stalin was interested in trading um, motor uh, mechanical uh, engineering plant for gold that had been drug out of Kolyma by slaves in the, the, the gulag system. And there were uh, American auto workers, famously a black American auto worker called Robert Robinson, who uh, wound up um, at Stalingrad. Um, he was um, uh, racially uh, abused there by two um, American uh, workers, two white American um, workers, who were um, arrested and promptly uh, thrown out of the, the the Soviet Union? Robert Robinson, his fate 
um, was that he was eventually to become like a, a hero of labor. Uh, and um, he uh, became quite a celebrity in the Soviet Union. But uh, eventually, as the terror escalated, decided it was better to depart. And then uh, became a figure of immense suspicion when he re returned to uh, America. Now, by the late 1930s, uh, many of the um, attempts to create more cordial relations with Stalin and the Stalinist regime uh, starts to to dwindle away as the the, the terror uh, in the Soviet Union takes on its own particularly kind of suspicious xenophobic quality, um, not based around any any notions of of, uh, of race or or that kind of bigotry, but the idea that anybody who isn't a Soviet citizen can't actually be trusted. Um, and there were various, probably about a thousand American systems that uh, citizens who um, disappeared into the Soviet camp system um, and who received um, only sketchy uh, attempts at help uh, from the US Embassy who were um, happy to uh, write these uh, terrorised and doomed individuals off to, to their own fate. So when it comes to making decisions about the Soviet Union in the summer of 1941, they don't emerge out of no context. There were uh, large numbers of American citizens in the hundreds of thousands that had been back and forth to the Soviet Union um, with mixed views on the place. Um, the uh, American diplomatic corps and the uh, American foreign policy establishment had very clear views about the Soviet Union. Um, uh, not all of them negative, uh, not all of them accurate either. Uh, and the thing that both Churchill and Roosevelt know right away is that the war in the Soviet Union presents the West with an unparalleled and unprecedented opportunity. No doubt in the minds of both Churchill and Roosevelt, the ideas that uh, Truman was articulating that, you know, let them both destroy each other um, were certainly there. But Roosevelt appears to have had sort of a slightly more um, faith in Stalin and the Soviet Union uh, than Churchill ever did. Churchill was quick to um, extend uh, the offer of uh, alliance and assistance to Stalin. Uh, he said, No one has been a more consistent opponent of communism than I have for the last 25 years. Um, he said this actually on June the 22nd. I will and say no word that I have spoken about it, but all this fades away before the spectacle which is now unfolding. Any man or state who fights on against Nazism will have our aid. We shall give whatever help we can to Russia and to the Russian people. Now this is on the 22nd, on the, the, the day of the invasion. Churchill had accepted the realities of Barbarossa several days before Stalin had. At this point, Stalin is in intense denial, so much so that he doesn't allow the Red Army to fight back, not wanting to provoke the, um, uh, the Nazis and assuming that this all might be a terrible misunderstanding. The fact that Churchill would already had his speech written it probably owes more to uh, Britain's advances in signals intelligence, the ability to... Uh, predict, uh, to, to even know um, the data of, of the invasion. 
Henry Stimson, who was Roosevelt's uh, Secretary of War, um, sent to uh, Roosevelt an estimate that the Russians would be able to hang on for three months uh, at the most and that they would collapse potentially within four weeks. And this was a view that obviously the Nazis shared as well. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Um, Roosevelt was deeply uncertain. Um, he said, uh, now comes this Russian diversion, when he, he wrote to William Leahy, the uh, American ambassador to Vichy, France. Um, if it is more than just that, it will mean the liberation of Europe from Nazi domination. So he could see in Barbarossa the potential for the, the downfall of Nazism. If it turned out to be more than um, a diversion, um, I suppose by that he means, if it turns out to be a long conflict, i.e. if the Germans don't win quickly, then they've not just lost in Russia, they've lost everything. I believe Churchill, uh, though you know it's, imp- it's possible to, cho- to quote Churchill until the cows come home, said something similar. He said, essentially, if Hitler uh, fights in the West uh, and loses... He'll have to fight in the East, and if he fights in the East, he'll lose. So, um, in Churchill's view, the uh, failure of the Germans to defeat Britain in uh, or invade the British Isles uh, following uh, the unsuccessful um, Battle of Britain meant that it doomed Hitler uh, to fight um, his war of annihilation in the East. Now, on one hand... Roosevelt did have some hopes that eventually the Soviet Union might emerge uh, from kind of revolutionary dictatorship, and uh, as he believed, all societies that went endured revolutions uh, or experienced revolutions uh, eventually did. But he wasn't completely naive about the Soviet Union. When he met uh, earlier in 1941 um, at the um, uh, communist-sponsored American Youth Congress. 
He spoke directly to them. He said, the Soviet Union, uh, as everyone who has the courage to face the facts knows, is run by a dictatorship as absolute as any other dictatorship in the world. Obviously, this didn't go down very well. Um, but uh, Roosevelt was uh, aware that uh, a certain deal with the devil uh, had to be made. He'd previously overlooked the uh, Jeremiah's amongst his um, uh, chiefs of staff who said that Britain was a lost cause. Uh, Roosevelt's view was, well, it just can't be. You know, we can't allow for that to happen because of, uh, you know, primarily because of American needs. Um, and now he um, looked to the uh, the same Jeremiah's and Doom Priors and uh, ignored what they had to say about the possibility of the Soviet Union uh, collapsing in, in the near future. And it served his wider political aims of the short-of-war strategy, keeping America um, out of the war uh, and simply uh, funding, financing and equipping and arming um, Nazism's opponents. It might put off the evil day when American troops had to set foot in Europe. And this is precisely what Stalin imagined Roosevelt would be thinking. Later, during the various uh, wartime conferences, which became uh, increasingly divisive uh, and um, fractious, Stalin accused the Americans of uh, allowing the uh, Soviets to pay the blood price for the defeat of Nazism. And there is, at this point, some truth in that accusation. As the uh, invasion um, commenced, Roosevelt called the Soviet ambassador Konstantin Umansky um, to the White House uh, in order to ask him to supply a shopping list of equipment that uh, the Soviet army, uh, the Red Army, might need. And the shopping list that returns is interesting. Um, among the um, other items, uh, tanks and aircraft and that sort of thing, that the uh, Soviets asked for. They looked for some major industrial plants, machine tools, rolling mills, petroleum, cracking plants, refracting towers, that sort of thing, um, and the uh, ability to create uh, aviation fuel. Um, so this suggested that the Soviets had already um, understood that this would be a long war, and this would be a war of production. This wouldn't be a war that could be uh, exclusively won through arms shipments from America. Um, a new military infrastructure needed to be built uh, in uh, the Soviet Union. And the Soviets had been busy, uh, or were busy in the first, the second half of 1941, loading industrial plant from Western Russia onto trains, shipping it across the Urals, and rebuilding it um, at places like Chelyabinsk, which became known as Tankograd. Just as um, Roosevelt had taken soundings about Churchill and uh, American diplomats such as Sumner Wells and Avril Harriman um, had been to London to really take the temperature of uh, British politics and see if the, the British were uh, as committed in reality as they were in rhetoric to fighting on, um, Stalin was visited by uh, US diplomats um, well, not so much diplomats, but uh, Roosevelt's own personal envoy, Harry Hopkins, who reported back favourably that the Soviets were uh, ready to fight, not likely to capitulate, 
and we're going to um, continue the struggle um, and had the, the wherewithal to do it. The result of that was that ultimately Roosevelt sent uh, 100 fighter aircraft to the Soviet Union. Um, not that this was anything more than a drop in the ocean of what was needed, but it was an important gesture. And in September, uh, Roosevelt persuaded Congress to vote for uh, the Soviet inclusion in an unleased program. Um, which would allow the Soviet Union to access in total $10 billion in aid. The country was not entirely united behind uh, Roosevelt's support for the Soviet Union. Um, the, and these divisions would later um, emerge in a much more pronounced uh, form uh, by about 1944, when the uh, war um, was clearly going to be won by the Allied powers. And there was a, a dramatic shift towards the political centre-right in America um, and the uh, view of the Soviet Union becomes e ever more dim. Um, the Chicago Tribune um, wrote, It is ridiculous that sane men should have the slightest faith that uh, the supreme monster, Bloody Joe, uh, who brought on the war by selling out the democracies, will not sell them out again and make another deal with Hitler. It was not beyond the bounds of possibility that um, the Nazis, after seizing large chunks of Western Russia, might come to an accommodation with the rest of the Soviet Union um, about keeping the spoils of war or reducing Russia to some kind of vassal state or doing whatever the Soviets uh, um, could tolerate to stop the fighting. Uh, there was uh, The British certainly thought that Stalin might um, be forced to come to terms um, with Hitler uh, and establish another deal, one far, far less favourable than the Nazi-Soviet pact, uh, thus giving the Nazis um, an end to hostilities on the, Western, on the Eastern Front vast reserves of uh, not only their own manpower that could be shifted to the Western Front again, but also huge reserves of Soviet labour that would come uh, either dirt cheap or free. The New York Herald Tribune, always um, a, a publication on the kind of the, 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 the liberal left, uh, wrote, A Hitler victory over Russia and Britain means the triumph of total barbarism throughout the world. A victory of Great Britain, the United States and Communist Russia holds out no such prospect. Even if communist totalitarianism survives the strain uh, in Russia, the fact that it would only do so in association with victor victorious democracy in Britain and the United States would give it no such untrammeled prestige and power as success would bring to Nazi totalitarianism. An essentially democratic world would still be possible. Now, of course, history textbooks um, offer us all manner of kind of oversimplifications. And normally in any, any GCSE or A-level textbook on this topic you, you care to consult, it'll all be a paragraph. Hitler invades the Soviet Union in 1941 and very quickly uh, Russia, America and Britain become um, allies. And obviously America becomes a combatant after, after Pearl Harbor, the end. 
But what we can see here is the politics of it all is much more fraught and complex. There's, there is much more doubt and circumspection and um, uh, hesitancy uh, than, than we normally uh, give it credit for being. Um, here, the, the development of the what is eventually referred to uh, as the Grand Alliance uh, against Nazism uh, and later uh, against um, Japanese imperialism um, is one which is an act of faith on the part of, of Roosevelt uh, and, and Churchill. Okay, so I'm going to leave that there for now, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Uh, do remember that we rely on a tiny little trickle of ad revenue from this podcast and the kindness of our patrons. If you can sponsor the podcast, check us out on our Patreon page. The details are below. And I'll see you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.